Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So this morning we're continuing our series in Luke, and we're going to be looking at temptation. But before we get into this morning's, um, I just want to know, how did you do with your assignment this last week? Yeah? Some of you? Okay. Others who are looking around going... We had homework. I didn't know. Okay. Um, this whole series, what we're talking about is that we as a church want to change the way people see the church, change the way people view the church. Um, and the way that we're going to do that is we are going to become disciples of Jesus. And that's what this whole series is about. We are learning how to think and act and live like Jesus so that when people see us, they get just a glimpse of who he is. So this week you had an assignment, and the assignment was just, if we're going to change the way people view the church, then we got to start looking differently at them. we got to start changing the way we view people. And so your assignment this week was real easy. It was just simply start looking at people in a different way. Try to see people through Jesus' eyes. And, and even more than that, if you can, try to listen and, and look for what God might be doing in their life so you could be a part of it. So i got to tell you, this week, I think it was a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, we were going downtown, and wouldn't you know, there was a traffic jam in Benicia. It was like crazy. It, it never happens, right? But we were turning um, from military down onto First Street. We were going to go downtown, have dinner, and, um, and there was a lot of cars there, and so the whole left turn lane was all backed up, and, and, and I was going to make a left turn, so I backed up, and there were people behind me, but I left a little bit of a space, because right there, there's a driveway coming out of the shopping center. So I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll just hold back a little bit so then people can get out and make a left turn and I'm not blocking their way to get on their own way, right? And so Betty, my wife, says, you know, you really ought to move forward, which is like, that's not Betty at all, okay? That's me. You know, I squeeze everybody out, man. That, that's, that's me, okay? That's my natural. So I'm kind of like, well, where's this coming from? She says, well, you, you know, you really ought to go move. There's a space there. And I go, I know I'm leaving room for people to be able to turn left. And wouldn't you know, someone comes out of, the, out of the shopping center, comes out the driveway, and then they pull right into the spot, right in front of me. And Betty said, see, I told you you should have pulled up. And I said, but this is somebody Jesus loves too. Yes. Yes. I got her. <laughs> So this morning we're going, we're taking a, a step forward now, because last week we, we, we kind of left it really at, at the birth of Jesus, and, and it kind of fast forwards now. Luke just kind of skips a whole big 30 years of his life, and we move into the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what we're going to talk about is something that every one of us face pretty much each and every day. Um, and and whether, you are, whether you are a Christ follower, whether you even consider yourself a God believer, you deal with this. We all do. Every single day, we find ourselves doing things we don't want to do. And we wonder, why do we do that? Why does that happen? What, what, what's going on here? What is this whole thing with the temptation? Why do we tend to, to be so quick to give in to all of this? And so I thought the best way to start our whole series and the, this morning would be, since we're going to be talking about temptation, what I'd like you to do is just turn to the person next to you and share with them your deepest, darkest temptation, Okay. <laughs> No, don't. No, I'm kidding. Some of you are going to do that. <laughs> don't do it. Keep it to yourself for now. But it is something that every one of us face. Either those big, you know, monumental kind of epic things or, or just the little things of every day. And a lot of times when we think of temptation, um, we kind of get a mental picture of something like this. There's no escape. 
Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. That's kind of what we think of, you know, that there's this big evil force tugging on us. And, and sometimes there are those epic struggles that we all kind of deal with. But it also is on the little things, too. And one of the things we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Jesus' temptation. Because he, in his humanity, faced it just like we did. But he dealt with it in some ways that I think if we can get a, a little bit of a grasp on this, I think it will help us, not just in our own willpower, but in the strength of God to be able to deal with these things that, that we really don't want to do, but we just find ourselves doing. And what I think we're going to find out if we go through this together is just like, do you remember in the movie when, when Darth Vader is actually unmasked and he's this pathetic little weakling thing living inside this big, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes we think temptation is so huge and so powerful, but if we could unmask it a little bit, we'll find it doesn't quite have the hold on us that it needs to. And that not just by our own willpower, but by the strength of God at work in our lives, we can overcome some of this stuff. So we're going to talk about it this morning. There's a couple of things that I think would be really, really helpful. And, and the reason for this, by the way, we're, going to, we're trying to change the way people view the church. And one of the big, big things that you hear over and over again that people think about church is it's just full of hypocrites. They dress up, they go to church, they sing songs on Sunday morning, but on Monday in the workplace, they're worse than anybody else, okay? So if we're going to change that perception, we want to become people of integrity. And one of those things has to do with winning those inner battles, and so we're going to look at Jesus' life, and it's right at the beginning of his ministry. If you want to follow along, we're in Luke chapter 3. And, and it actually, it begins in chapter 3 because that's really where the whole thing starts. And then we'll skip down to chapter 4. But in Luke 3, beginning in verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And then Luke kind of inserts a little bit of Jesus' genealogy from Joseph's side of the family. And you find in there, there were some real successes and there were some real failures. And there were even some real successes who failed at temptations. And then he goes on and moves us right into Jesus' temptation. So we pick it up, chapter 4, verse 1. So Jesus now, and this is, by the way, immediately after his baptism. That's what Matthew and Mark tell us. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of that time he was hungry. And the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, 
Man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil took him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Then he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, they said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left them until an opportune time. This is the launch of Jesus' ministry. And he begins it all with his baptism. Now, if you read in Luke, and actually if you read in all of the Gospels, we're told that that the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. So you're kind of wondering, I'm sure, well, why is Jesus getting baptized? Because I thought he was sinless. Why why does Jesus go out to get baptized? Because he doesn't have anything to repent from. He doesn't have any sin. But what he's doing is is he's identifying himself intimately with us. He wants us to know that in every respect, he is giving himself into humanity. And in his humanity, what he is doing in that moment is he's going through and submitting to this baptism of repentance for sins that he didn't commit. Because in three years, he's going to go to the cross. And he's going to pay the ultimate price, punishment for your sin and mine, not the sin that he commits. And so in this moment, what he's doing is is he is completely submitting himself and uniting himself and identifying himself with you and me. And when he moves into the temptation from that moment, what's happening is he is at that, at that point, he's saying, I want everybody to know that I'm just like you. In fact, Scripture tells us he was tempted in every way just like we were. And this won't be the first time. It won't be the last time. He'll continue to be haunted and tempted. But this is kind of the make or break moment. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. And this is the one thing that would really be helpful. If we could, in the moment of a temptation, in the moment when you're, you're, you're tempted to do something that you really don't want to do, if we, could just, if we could just stop for a moment and just remember this one thing, that there's more at stake here than what I'm facing right now. There is more at stake. There's always more at stake than we realize in the moment of temptation. See, we think it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a drink. It's just a little harmless flirtation in the office. Doesn't mean anything. And we don't realize that there's always more at stake. Certainly for Jesus, there was. This is the beginning of his ministry. If he fails here, nothing he does for the rest of his life is going to have any meaning or purpose. This is the make or break moment. It starts with his baptism. And there's this incredible thing that happens, though he's baptized just like everybody else. Something different happens with him. It says that heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Now that's the way to start a ministry. Not quite. Because now we're told Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Wait a minute. 
Wait, didn't God just speak? You know, the dove came down. I mean, you know, and it says he's filled with the spirit and, and it's the spirit that's leading him. Why is he going out to be tempted? Why, why would the spirit lead him that way? Why would, God, why would God have that in mind? And one of the things you're going to find out as we go through this is what Jesus is going through for 40 days is a lot of the temptations that Israel in their history had for 40 years as they wandered in their wilderness. And it's the very kind of same temptations that we face all the time. And here's the deal. There's more at stake because private victories always have to precede public victories. You got to win the inner battle first. It's that private battle, those things that you deal with that nobody else sees. Those are the things. And, and, and we can look at our history, even recent history, and see over and over again presidents and congressmen and, and, and movie stars and, and religious leaders, for that matter, CEOs, people who did not win the inner battle. And though on the outside they looked like a success and everything was victorious for them and they were just at the top of their game, as far as anybody could tell from the outside, somewhere along the line, They'd never won the private battles. And it ended up being their undoing. Private victories always got to proceed. And the whole reason God and the Spirit have led him out into the wilderness, because this is the test here. You got to pass this one. Before you can go public with your ministry, you got to deal with the private stuff. And the same thing is true with each and every one of us. And there is more at stake. And if we could realize that in the moment of the temptation, if we could realize there's more at stake here. Here's some of the things that are at stake. Your future is at stake. Your future is at stake. You don't think about that in the moment. But I bet every one of us in this room can look back at things that we wish we hadn't done. And we are still living with the regrets from those things. And the moment when we were tempted, in the moment when we gave in, we didn't think about our future. But now as we look back on it, we say, boy, I wish I had never done that. Oh, if I had only thought how this would impact me today. Because your future is at stake. Part of what's at stake is the people around you. Your family and the friends. The people that share life with you. And again, if you've come from a broken home, you know what that's like. You, you are paying the price for something you didn't even do. But because maybe you had a father that was a little bit of a wandering eye or a mom who was an alcoholic, or a brother who was an addict, or, or something like that. You are suffering because of them. And the same thing is true. Your temptations, your failures impact the people around you. You don't realize it. You don't think of it. But if we could just stop, if we could just like, hit the pause button, and just for a moment start thinking, you know, there's more at stake here than I'm thinking right now. And ultimately, what's at stake is your character. Because it's all of those little decisions you make along the way in your life that begin to form who you are. And all of those things, all of those things are in play in that one moment when you're thinking it's just a piece of cake. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just a marshmallow. You know, it's nothing. But in that moment, a lot more is at stake than you realize. And if you could just realize that. I talk to people all the time who say, you know, if people could see who I really am, I don't think they'd like me. Because, you see, even if you, can, even if you can keep all that stuff hidden, even if you can keep it covered up and nobody else sees it, it gnaws away at you. It, it, it eats away at your inside. 
because it's about your character. And if we could just, in that moment, just stop and say, wait a minute, there's more at stake here than just this one little thing. Another thing is in that moment when you realize, okay, there's more at stake here, the other thing is to start thinking about, okay, now, do I trust God or don't I? And here's the thing. You can put your confidence in the goodness of God. And that's really one of the things that's at stake. Because not only is it you and your character, really what's at stake is your faith. It's do I really believe God can be trusted? Do, do, I, do I think that God can provide for me even though I can't see it for myself? Because that's really one of the big issues. One of the big issues is do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God really cares? Do I believe that he really will care about my life? Because it's not just about your willpower. The other thing is, it's your faith. What is it that you really believe about God? And I find this all the time, especially when it comes to finances. You know, I, I, know, I, I know I should do a better job handling my finances. I know I should be more generous. I know I should help people in need. I know I should be giving. But if I do that, then who's going to pay my bills? You know, if, if I really do that, if I really give and, and become generous like God wants me to be and, and realize that, okay, but who's going to take care of me? And that's one of the big things that shows up often when it comes to our finances. Let me ask you, what's on your worry list? What are the things that you worry about? Because those are the things that you're not really sure God can be trusted Because that's really what it comes down to. Do I believe God can take care of me? If I am obedient to his ways, because that's one of the things. One of the things that is going on is, one of the temptations that's happening with Jesus is to, to meet a legitimate need, but do it in an illegitimate way. See, that's the temptation. He says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, Jesus could do that. I mean, you know, later on, he fed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. He could do that. And, and it's 40, year, 40, 40, 40 years, no, 40 days that he's been fasting. He's hungry. God wouldn't want you to go hungry. I mean, come on, you know, it's, and, and it's a legitimate need. We, you know, take it, just go ahead and turn stone to bread. But he knew what he understood was there was more at stake. And to go ahead and do, even meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate or improper way, would be not doing it God's ways. It would be a violation of his trust of the Father. And for him, that was more important. Another temptation is to do the right thing, but to do it in the wrong way. Again, it's a good thing, but to do it in the wrong way. The temptation comes to him that Satan takes him up and gives him a glimpse of all the nations of the world. And he says, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now understand, that was Jesus' mission. That was his calling in life. His his whole mission in coming to earth was to bring all those nations together under the rule and authority of God the Father. That's what he came to do, was to break the grip of sin, to break the grip of temptation. It was his... What he was doing was he was bringing the kingdom of God to all the kingdoms of this world. You might remember the last assignment he gives his disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. But the way that all authority was given to him was by his obedience to the Father, by his death on the cross, by his resurrection. And what this temptation is, is this temptation to short circuit the process. 
It's to do the right thing, but to do it in the wrong way or in the wrong timing. And that's where it hits us. See, that's where, that's where, that's where it intersects our lives. When you're thinking, you know, this could be so much easier if I just did that. If I just cut a few corners. You know, if I just, if I just, if I just for a moment sacrificed my values. And it's a temptation to give up what's important in order to get something in the immediate. And we sacrifice far more than we realize. And that's what the temptation is here. This is the very thing Jesus came to do for all the kingdoms of this world. And so he says, I'll make it easy on you. Forget the cross. Forget all this other stuff. Just worship me. Just, just for a moment. Just once. That's all you got to do. Just sacrifice. Just compromise. Just cut the corners. Just a little bit. Bend the rules just a little bit. And that's the kind of temptation we face every day. Selling a used car. You know, I know what's wrong with that car. If I told the buyer what was wrong with that car, they wouldn't even buy it. <laughs> and if they did, I certainly wouldn't get as much as I want for it. So I just, you know, what, nobody, nobody fully discloses everything anyway. You know, what, why, you know if I play by those rules, I'll, you know, I'll never make it in this world. And that's the temptation. It's not always those big, gnarly things. It's more in the everyday kind of life. And then third type of temptation is to do whatever it takes to get things my way. And even to use God for my own ends. And, and, and this is what spiritual people do, okay? Because I, I find this what happens. We're stepping out in faith. Which really means I'm going to do what I want to do and expect God to bail me out if it doesn't work out, you know? I, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but I know God forgives, so I'll just, I'll just go ahead and do it, you know? I heard of a comedian. He said, you know, I, I, every night when I was a kid, every night I prayed for a new bike, and, and God never answered that prayer. So I decided to steal one and ask his forgiveness. <laughs> That's kind of the idea there. You know, God, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do things all my way. But I just want to make, I want to have you in my back pocket. Because if it doesn't work out, I'm looking to you to bail me out. You know, I, and we do those kinds of things all the time. We know it's not right. But we want it. So we'll do whatever it takes, and then if we need God to bail us out or to forgive us, we'll, we'll deal with that down the road. And that's what's going on here. He says, if you're the son of God, well, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Says, you, you say you trust God. You say he's going to take care of you, so just jump. You know, he'll, he'll catch you. He'll send his angels to catch you. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> you do things God's way. And you trust Him to make it work. Not, I do it my way and hope God will bail me out. See, doing it that other way, that's, that's just manipulating God. That's forcing God's hand. That's getting what I want and trying to get God's endorsement in it. And that's one of the temptations we find all the time. It's like the student that doesn't study for the test. Gets up in the morning and starts praying like crazy. God, help me pass this test. I didn't study for it, but you got to bail me out right now. You know, it's that kind of a thing. He says, listen, there's more at stake than you realize in the moment. And at the heart of it is your trust in God. Do I really believe God will provide? Do I really believe God will care for me? Or do I have to do it my way? 
and hope God will bail me out. See, it's really about the hows of life. It's not so much what you do. Temptation is not so much about what you do. That's part of it. But the bigger issue is how you do it. Those are the real temptations. How you do life. Will I do things God's way following his principles, being obedient to his ways, and, 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 and believe that that's the right way and he has my best interest in heart, and if I follow him, he will make all these other things work out? Or will I do it my way with my agenda in my timing and, and get what I want and then try and get God to bail me out at the end? That's really what's at issue. And if we could just stop, just hit that pause button for a moment and realize, okay, there's more at stake here then I realize. And at the heart of it is my faith. Because if I just keep going on, taking care of myself, and never really trusting that God takes care of me, then I really don't have much faith at all. Because faith is not just about what I believe in my head. It's what I trust with my life. It's who I trust with my life. And the last one. I think this might be the most helpful of all. Is in that moment of temptation, if you could just stop for a moment and just remember who you are and whose you are. Because you see, one of the great deceits of temptation, one of the greatest deceits is this is just who I am. When I keep failing, when I keep giving in, when I keep you know, just messing up and I keep doing the things that I really don't want to do but I can't help myself, I start believing the lie that this is who I am and I'm never going to change. And, and, and that lie cuts us off from the very source of our power. Because that's not who you are. It's not who you are. God created you as something far greater than that, far better than that. And if you could just stop for a moment and realize that. See, that's one of the things, if you notice all of, all of Jesus' temptations, how does he respond to the temptations? By quoting scripture. See, that's the value of knowing Scripture. That's the value of, that's why we're taking this whole time and going through the book of Luke together so that we would learn, not just a memory verse, but that we would learn how Jesus lived, that we would become more like him, that we would learn to walk in his power and by the leading of his spirit so that we would truly become so connected with the Father that we understand that we are his child and he is faithful and we can trust him with our lives. And it's not just about getting a memory verse down and getting a gold sticker. It's about bringing it into my life to see this is, this is where it hits me. And in fact, when Jesus quotes scripture, we know the quotations. You've heard this one probably over and over again. Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the, word, from the mouth of the Lord. Do you know where that, that's the short version. It actually comes from Israel's history. It comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's, it's a part of the speech that Moses gave to the nation of Israel as they were coming out of their 40 years of wilderness wandering. And they're about to go into the land of promise, the, God, the land that God had brought them out of Egypt, the slavery to, and brought them into. He, they're about there. And, and right at the beginning of all of that, Moses gives this speech. And he says in this speech, now, God has provided for you for these 40 years. God has taken care of you. And you're going, to be, you're going to have this great temptation once you move into the land to think, okay, that was all good for the wilderness, but now I'm on my own. And, and God is going to provide for you in ways, and you're going to think it's all because the way you did it. It's all because of the way you carried on business. It's all because of your skills. It's all because of your ability. He says, I just want you to remember, remember these things. It's not about you. 
And it's not about your willpower. And it's not about your skills and talents, although God has given them. Those are all gifts from God. The larger context, and here's what I want you to hear. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is Moses' speech. He's saying, now God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He said, God did that. God brought you through the wilderness. And when you had nothing to eat, God was the one that provided manna. And you remember those times when you thought, well, may, there may not be here tomorrow, so I better scoop up a little bit extra. And by the morning, the next morning, it was all spoiled because God was providing for you on a daily basis. And he says, God did that for a reason, so that you would learn that there is more to your life than making a living. There is more to life than feeding your face. There is more to life than just getting by. There is more to life than the toys that you fill it with. And the successes that you have, there is something more at stake, and it's learning to trust God with every aspect of your life. That's what's at stake. And he says, you're going to go into this new land, and it's flowing with milk and honey. It's a beautiful land, and it's fertile, and it's lush, and you're going to plant crops, and they're going to grow, and it's going to be... But don't forget, don't forget, it's God who provided every bit of it. And in the same way, for the last 40 years, he caused you to get hungry so he could feed you every day so that you would learn to trust him. Don't forget that now. And that's exactly why he brings up that passage. Because Satan is saying is God won't take care of you. You can't trust him. Look at it, 40 days you've been out here with no food. He says, no, 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 no. My hope and my trust is in the Father. I don't have to turn stones to bread. He'll provide me what I need when I need it. Because I'm his. See, that was the promise that God gave to Abraham. And for all of his descendants, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the words that came to Jesus at his baptism, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. See, every bit along the way through these temptations, he goes back to who he knows who he is. And he knows who his father is. And that's why he keeps, the other ones uh, are also quotes from the same speech. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Put your full trust in him. Let him be your fulfillment. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did as, at Massah. And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, for every one of these temptations that the nation of Israel failed at, He succeeds. When they are tempted to not trust God for their food and and water, Jesus does trust. Where they grumbled, Jesus trusts. Where, Where they failed and they started worshiping a golden calf, Jesus stays true to the Father and His authority. Where they failed by testing God and grumbling against Him, Jesus stays faithful. And because he stayed faithful, because of those 40 days, because of standing that test, and and like I said, it wasn't going to be the end of his testing. He's going to come on the very last night of his life on this earth and pray a prayer that says, if there's any way possible, Lord, Father, let this pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was tested all the way through. And because he was faithful, where you and I might fail, we have the chance to hear God say to you and to me, you're my son. You're my daughter. 
people, my love, with you I'm well pleased. Because he did not sin, he could pay a price on that cross for you and me that we deserved and pay the penalty for our sin and our failures and our mistake and all of that. And then rose again to give us this new life. And because he did that, now what scripture says is we are now part of God's family. We are now God's sons and daughters because he, the only begotten son, went before us. And because he was faithful, now you and now I can hear the words of the father. You are my son. You're my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. So here's your change the way people view the church assignment this week. And it's a little bit easier, maybe. You keep practicing the other one. But this week, just let's deal with the inner game. Let's deal with the inner thing. And I just want to give you a prayer. that Just each day, start your prayer with this. Father, I know my weakness will be tested today. I am your son, your daughter. I know you love me and care for me, and by your grace and strength, I will not let temptation destroy my character. In fact, I'm going to have you kind of repeat back with me, if you would, okay? Father, I know my weaknesses. I know they'll be tested today. But I know I'm your son or daughter. I know that you love me and care about me. So by your grace and by your strength, I will not let temptation destroy my character. Just each day. And in that moment, in that moment of temptation, just remember, there's more at stake here. There's more at stake here. And I can trust God. He'll provide for me. Because I'm his son, his daughter. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 